things around it, but sometimes we add so much and it gets almost overloaded. So there's going to be a, a theme I want us to remember this morning. All right, so we're in Leviticus chapter 21. Uh, I want you to read this with me uh, up into verse 9. <coughs> and the Lord spake unto Moses, said unto Moses, Speak unto the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say unto them, There shall none be defiled for the dead amongst his people. But for his kin and his, uh, that is near unto him, that is, his mother, or for his father, or his son, or his daughter, or for his brother, or for his sister, a virgin that is nigh unto him, which hath had no husband, uh, for her he may be defiled. But he shall not defile himself, being a chief man among, man among the peop his people, to profane himself. They shall not make baldness upon their head, neither shall they shave the corners of their beard, they shall, uh, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. They shall be holy unto their God and not profane his na uh, the name of their God. For the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God they do offer. Therefore they shall be holy. They shall not take a wife that is a whore or profane, neither shall they take a woman. Uh, a, a woman shall put away her husband, for he is holy unto God. Thou shalt sanctify him, therefore, for he offereth the bread of thy God. He shall be holy unto thee, for I, the Lord, which sanctify you, am holy. And the daughter of any priest shall not profane herself by playing the whore. She profaneth her father. She shall be burnt with fire. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and what it teaches us. I thank you that we're reminded over and over that the things that you wrote in aforetime were for our example. Lord, all these things that you wrote in the Old Testament were pictures and things that we can learn, especially since Christ has come and fulfilled. And so, Father, I thank you for that. Help us as uh, we just look to a few things here, reminding ourselves of some truths. And one of them is the privilege of being a priest. So, Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, get right into it. I want to remind us a couple of things. Last week, we had looked at the fact that, number one, we are all priests. Okay, we talked about that, that each and every one of us, once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him, you accept him as your savior, he has made us to be a royal priesthood. We are kings and priests before him, every believer. You don't have to go to a special school. You don't have to... Uh, study, you are automatically made a priest when you receive the salvation that Jesus provides for us. Y'all with me? So welcome, we're having a com conference of priests here this morning. Alright, just as a good reminder. Then we talked about several things. Number one, and we rehearsed this again in Sunday school over and over because it's a theme in God's word, that to become a priest, you must be born a priest. You are of a certain family. Okay, that is the picture. God didn't just decide to do that in the Old Testament for some arbitrary reason. It is because he is reminding us that you and I, as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And I'm not going to re-preach what Dan did this morning. He, we are God's children. We are the sons of God. So we are born into a family. We are born into a priesthood. Just like Aaron's sons were born priests. They didn't get elected priests. There wasn't a vote. 
They didn't do any politicking and, and hold rallies. If you were born one of Aaron's sons, you were a priest. Same thing with us, guys, and that's the reminder why we are priests is because if you are born into God's family, if you were one of God's children, you are automatically a priest. All right? And then we look carefully at stay away from the dead. Okay? And again, I'm not going to reteach it, but you and I wake up with a dead person every day. And I'm not making a commentary about your wife or your husband. Okay? Um, we, our flesh is dead. Okay? He hath quickened us who were dead in trespasses and sin, but that old man is still with us. And then we talked about the fact that you and I walk in a world full of dead people. And we need to be careful that we're not taking advice or concerned about what dead people think. You know, if you're doing something and somebody around you don't like it, just remind yourself that they're dead. Do I care what dead people think? Okay, because that's the key. But uh, unfortunately, and here's a reminder to us as Christians, is, and we've talked about it last chapter, about wizards and those who have contact with spirits and all those other why do we go to those people for advice? Why would we? Okay. Why do we care what the person next to us who is an unbeliever who doesn't live their life for God, who has no idea what God wants and their moral standards are probably quite lacking, why do we care what they think? They're dead. And again, I'm not trying to be, we're holier than thou, we're better than you. God has done something special in you and I when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior. I am not a son of God because I deserve to be a son of God. I am a son of God because God in his love make promises he doesn't break. That's why you and I are priests, all right? The only one thing, and we saw it here, and a reminder, is the only thing that is important to you and I when it comes to our service for God and our ministry is our family comes first. And this has been an issue sometimes in some pastor's families and some church leaders' families is that um, they think, oh, my ministry becomes, comes before anything. That is not true. Okay, and God reflects that here again. Uh, your first ministry is your family. Okay, your children, your mother or father, your spouse. Okay, and that's why it says the priest should not defile himself for the dead unless it's your close family. Okay, because family comes first. And remember, guys, we talked about this on Wednesday night a little bit. That the structure in our service, in our, in, in, you know, the priority in our life, God is number one, our family is number two, our ministry is number three. Okay, sometimes people jump, jump that and say, well, God and ministry is together. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm sorry, but according to God's word, my immediate family takes precedent over this family. That's just the way God did it. Yeah, I, if God says that in, in the structure, in talking about deacons, talking about pastors. If you can't rule your house well, then why would you think you could rule God's home, house? Okay, your family is the immediate thing. So that's all review. Any questions, go listen to the tape. Okay, today, again, as we looked into, we are supposed to sanctify ourselves and set ourselves apart. Uh, I, I'm going to do something we normally don't do. I want you to repeat a phrase after me in a minute. Okay? As priests, you and I are leaders. So I want you to say this. Say, I am a leader. Say it again. I am a leader. One more time. I am a leader. Okay, we may do that a couple of times before we're done. 
Okay, I, want, I told you, there's one theme I want to go through this morning's message. Not tons of them, there's one theme. I am a leader. Okay, and we just saw here, it says in verse 4, he shall not be defiled being a chief man among his people. Priests are by nature, by God's design, leaders. You are a leader. But, 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 no buts. If you are a believer, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a priest, God has done something different in your life, you are now an ambassador. You are a representative of God. You are a leader. Say, I am a leader. All right, I, I want that to echo through your mind, and I'm not trying to mimic certain churches that might do this, but sometimes it's important. I want you to leave today saying, I'm a leader. I'm tired of saying, I'm a leader. It doesn't mean that you need to be a missionary or a pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher. It doesn't mean you have to have an elected position. It doesn't mean somebody needs to recognize you and give you a little plaque. You are a leader, period. doesn't mean you need to change your personality. Some of us, like me, are so introverted and quiet that nobody can do anything. You, you know I'm being, I'm joking, okay? I am extrovert, uh, whatever, you just, you know. Doesn't mean you need to change and be different than who you are. God has made you exactly who you are, and he wants you to be a leader. But pastor, I haven't studied as long as you, doesn't matter. Now what does that mean by being a leader? It means you need to step up and realize that you are an example of Christ. Period. You are one that people will look to to see what a Christian is like. Yes? And I don't know about you, I get sick and tired of people meeting me and, uh, and I talk to them and say, oh, I know some of those Christians. And you know the phrase I'm going to put after that. They're just a bunch of hypocrites because there's a bunch of people who use the name of christ and we've just read it a couple times in the last few weeks where you def profane the name where people if you say you're a christian that's a laughing matter half the time because people have no idea that they are a representative of jesus christ and it's just not one hour on a sunday morning like some people do or a saturday morning or you know, a couple hours a week in a Bible study. You and I are a leader. We are a representative of our Savior and our God every single day. People look to you to learn what it's like to be a Christian. Now, I wanted that to set in for a minute. I could stop talking and just let us think for a minute. But do you realize there are people all around you who are watching you? Say, I am a leader. That's something we need to realize. Now, if, uh, if you're on your job, are you a leader? Thank you, Noah. You're at work. You are a leader. If you're doing your favorite hobby, are you a leader? You are a leader. If you're at the grocery store, are you a leader? If you're driving in your car, are you a leader? If, uh, 
If you are having a political debate, are you a leader? If you're having a passionate discussion with your spouse, did I put that politically connect correct enough? If you're having a spat, are you a leader? If you are angry and need to discipline your children, are you a leader? I think we're getting the point. There's never a place in your and I life that we are not a leader. Because once a priest, always a priest. You were born into the priesthood. You don't get to step out for a short period of time. And I love the fact that, and we're not going to get into it today, we can talk about it again, we can go back and look at history and other times, where the priest tribe was set apart even in the way they camped, even in the way they ate, even everything that they did, they were always priests. The rest of the tribes did whatever they needed to do, but the priest tribe was always priests. It's not like Saturday and Sunday, or you know, Friday night, they took a break. They were always priests. God did this for a reason. You and I are leaders. Thank you. I want, I, I, I want put it on a bumper sticker. Tattoo it to the back of your eyelids. Because it will change the way that you and I walk in this world. Now, some of us already realize that, and we try our best to do that, but it's a great way to remind ourselves. That something happens and you go, I'm a leader. Or the devil plants a thought in the back of your head or your flesh wants to desire some lustful thing in your life and I'm a leader. I represent my God. Now, I don't know if your brain already did this, but mine is already doing it. It defaults to, well, what kind of leader am I? my being what kind of representative am i actually being and see we're going to see that through the rest of this chapter not all this morning we're going short this morning but you and i are leaders we set an example now you notice something here it says you don't don't have a bald head don't cut off the corners of your beard don't you know what the idea here is and this guy's here it is uh, and this is unfortunate even in good christian circles we should stand out because we are sanctified, because God has made a difference in our life. We shouldn't stand out just because the way we dress or our appearance or something we do. He said, listen, if you're a priest, don't go cutting your head bald or shaving the corners of your beard a certain way or dressing a certain way. Or you ought to be noticed as a priest, as a leader, because of who you are, not what you do. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in this world in Christian, good Christian circles who are more interested in presenting a certain image on the outward appearance than they are changing what's on the inside. And God is a whole lot more interested in you being who he wants you to be than doing what he wants you to do. Remember we read that uh, verse last week where it talks about God desires mercy more than sacrifice? He desires knowledge more than offerings. God wants us to change who we are, not just how we look. Now, uh, again, 
I'm, I'm not going to necessarily uh, cast dispersions on certain people, but, you know, there are those who think that Christians ought to dress like they're still in the 1800s. Right? Well, you know the thing, well, uh, well, ladies ought to always wear skirts. By golly, I remember I, when I was uh, growing up, it was in that fad where good fundamental churches, every pastor wore uh, a three-piece blue pinstripe uh, white shirt, you know, with a white shirt and the buttoned-up vest and everything. And some of those fellows like me put so much stress on those buttons of that vest, it was more like a girdle. But by golly, at, at, listen, I'm telling you, my pastor, when I was in high school, mowed his lawn in a three-piece pinstripe suit. <laughs> My wife tells the story how they went sledding on the hill with snow pants and a skirt over the top. Now, I'll tell you one thing. You might have looked different, but the world wasn't going, oh, I like to be around those people. They looked at you and went, what a bunch of wackos. Now, listen, we're not necessarily interested in fads or, or religious rites or something like that. Listen, if you... I know pastors who preach in a robe. Okay? I, that'd be kind of cool. I could wear dungaree shorts and a t-shirt because I, I got the robe on, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But what is the reason that you're doing it? If it's for an outward appearance, then you're not being the priest that God wants you to be. You know something scary, and I thought this the other day. Uh, Dan and I had heard this when we were in Kansas City for, from a few folks who grew up in the Middle East. You know that most wi Christian women, the image that they are presented with is Madonna. Now, she's sort of fallen off the, the popular, but there, are long, there was a lot of songs back then that she sang, like one called Like a Virgin, and she had a cross on, and there was a crucifix in the background. The world looked at that and said, oh, there's what a Christian acts like. Because you put on an outward appearance. We're not judged by our outward appearance. We're judged on what God's doing on the inside. And God says, well, be careful. Don't, you, don't just shave your head bald so you look like a priest. Or shave your corners or your beard because you might fit into some specific group over here. God says, you're a priest because of what I'm doing, because I've sanctified you. I've set you apart. I've made you different. We need to make sure that we're still part of this world, though. Don't dress like you're in the 1800s, please. But you don't have to take every fad that comes along today and do that. Nothing wrong with coming up here and preaching in a you know shirt without a tie. Wait a minute, I'm sorry. Wait a minute, I forgot. There's a verse in the Bible that says the Holy Spirit can't move amongst his people unless I preach with a tie. I forgot about that verse. There is no verse. What contains the power of God is his word, not my tie. You understand my point? We need to be careful that we're not basing our Christianity on outward appearance. God says be careful of that. 
when we make that our focus, it's no wonder that's what the world focuses on. If you and I make women wearing skirts our focus, then that's all other people think about. Oh, well, I can't go to that church. They always wear skirts. They're always about this. How about making God changing your heart, your focus? And approach people with that. You know, it's interesting. um, I never see a verse in the Bible anywhere that talk about when Jesus and the disciples were walking on this earth where some ladies were standing off against the city wall and said, oh, look at Jesus and his disciples. Aren't they just dressed so sharp? Aren't their haircuts just so neat? Aren't their beards just trimmed so wonderful? You don't see in the life of Christ people making commentary about him because of how he presented himself outwardly. As a matter of fact, if you read in Isaiah chapter 52, it says he had no form or comeliness that we should desire him. If he walked by on the street, you wouldn't even notice him because he didn't stand out because of the outside. He stood out because of what he believed. There wasn't a single person of those disciples save one that was crucified because of what they wore. It's because of what they believed and what they preached, what they lived. All right? I am a leader. All right. I love it. We're almost done. Can you believe it? No. This is a bridge in Arizona. Anyway, okay. Notice something else it says here. That you and I, as priests, are to offer the bread. Did you notice that with me? Look again here. Verse 6. They shall be holy unto their God. They shall not profane the name of their God. For the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God they do offer. Therefore they shall be holy. Go down to verse 8. They shall sanctify themselves therefore. For he offereth the bread of thy God. He shall be holy unto thee. For I am the Lord which sanctify Am whole, uh, sanctify you, am holy. As priests, we have a job. Offer the bread. I think we could add a lot to, you know, as the priest, and we went through all these offerings, right? Remember uh, when uh, they, they offered a lamb or a bullock or a turtle dove or a goat or anything else, how much the priests got to keep? They would put the shank on there, and then the priest would be able to take it and take it home and eat it. They were able to put the call above the liver and all these things they took out, but they were to burn the fletch, but that was to be the food for the priests. Okay, the reason I'm saying this, they had a buffet of red meat, man, oh, on the barbie. I'm saying all that to make you notice, and I know the word is a little different here, but the word is specifically used. They don't say offer the meat of the offering. Now why is that? They had meat galore when it comes to the offerings. The word God decides to focus on is a very small portion of the daily offerings and that is the bread. I think God is not mixing his words. I don't think God went crazy when he wrote this. 
two things. Who is the bread? John chapter 6. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Okay, we talked about this this morning. I like that. Dan pointed out what John in uh, 1 John had said as sort of John's theme right there. And it was, God sent his son to be the savior of the world. That's what John's focus is. That's what your and I, our focus needs to be. The bread of life has come. Now, I'm not going to read it today because I told you we were going to be short, but go to John chapter 6 and read from the 40s through the 60s where Jesus is talking about if you want to live, you've got to eat the bread. I am the bread. The bread that came down from heaven is me. Now, who's a priest? Okay, you're a leader, right? Your job as a leader is to offer the bread. Go on out in this world and offer Jesus Christ the bread of life. Number two, there's another bread that we know in the Bible. Okay, The Bible says, Thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word. Okay, Jesus, We ask Jesus uh, you know, in his model prayer, Give us this day our daily bread. We have those little books we pass out, don't we? What are they called? The little ones in the back. Our daily bread. Okay, because it's understood that God's word is the bread as well. Now get this. This is why this is so important. I'm a leader. You're a leader. We're leaders. Our job is to offer the bread. Jesus Christ and his word. Now I love this. This is... Leviticus Old Testament right in the middle of a weird chapter about how qualified priests are and he makes it absolutely clear what you and I are supposed to be doing as priests. We are leaders who are supposed to be taking Jesus Christ and his word and sharing it with others. That's about as simple as it gets. Notice there's a phrase there though that hits home, he says, you shall not profane the name of God. If you are a Christian, a Christ-like one, if you are one who represents Jesus, if you are a leader, an ambassador, you are an example of what whom f- someone who follows God is, then you better take it seriously and not profane the name that is put upon you. I was watching something the other day, and uh, it was where people from other countries were together and they were talking and, and just doing things for a business situation. And one of the person said, oh, this guy over here, he's an American. And the other two people went, oh, an American, huh? Automatically, they had an opinion of what an American was. Because in some cultures, guys, we're a little bold and forward. Okay, Some cultures are a little bit more laid back and stuff, and they, under, they, they automatically, now I don't know what their opinion was and why they got it, I'm just, it reminded me that sometimes just naming where you come from and who you belong to can set a person's thought in a person's mind. Okay, One of the words we use today a lot, and I'll use it because it'll just stir up a thought, 
They're a Nazi. We automatically have an idea what that means, don't we? Well, you know what's sad? Is so many times there's been people in this world that have set an example and lived as an ambassador, and if you walk up to somebody and say they're a Christian, that there are people in this world who actually hate Christians because people have set such a bad tone in their... Please, you and I are ambassadors. Now, I know on the other side of things, please, that there are those who purposefully talk down about Christians to give us a bad name. You hear what I said? To give us a bad name. You ever hear any of your relatives say that? We don't use that very much anymore, but maybe 40, 50 years ago. Don't do that. That's going to give our family a bad name. Come on, who's, who's ever heard that? Watch out. We don't want to be everybody to think about us in this town that way. You don't want your own name profaned. God says be careful because the major thing that a priest needs to watch out through for is that he defiles himself and profanes the name of God. One last little bit. Two things here about the family. You and I need to choose the right spouse. Did you see that with me? Look at verse 7. You shall not take a wife that is a whore or profane, neither shall they take a woman and put her away from her husband, for he is holy. Now, I want to just talk about this real quick. See, the Bible is just so sexist. It's all about men, 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 and the women are just, you know, side notes. Please remember something. We are the bride of Christ, are we not? Okay, he has chosen to call all of us, no matter what you are, sexually, gender, X and Y chromosome, male or female, you and I are all the bride of Christ. Okay, he presents himself as the masculine side of the relationship. So when you read a passage like this, don't go see where they're saying only men can be priests. Who did I say was a priest in the very beginning? Every believer, male or female. But the picture here is God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to look next week about the high priest, or the next time we're together, depending on how weather goes next week, okay? That he is our bridegroom. He is the male. So oftentimes, the opposite in the relationship is the female. So when he says, make sure you choose a woman who is not this, that, or the other, we'll look at this in the, uh, next week again. Remember the Apostle Paul says, I want to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He's not talking about just females. He's talking about his church. Stop buying into some of this stuff that goes out in this world today that, oh, the Bible's just misogynistic. It's all about men. No, God presents himself as the husband in the relationship so that we are presented then as the wife in the relationship. So here in this picture, a priest who was always male because Jesus and God present himself as the male in the relationship is the female. So the question being is, be careful who you choose as a spouse. Now we're going to look a little bit next week again that there are people who can play the whore. As a matter of fact, 
the children of Israel, the entire group of them, not just the females, were told that, that they played the harlot often on God because they chased after other false gods. So please just be careful with this. The idea is be careful of the spouse you pick. Now, if I'm a priest, I am a leader, and I have a spouse who doesn't have that same desire in their heart, what's going to happen in my ministry, in my life? It's going to be very difficult to live. I remember we had a pastor friend who took over the church we were at Concord in, and uh, there were times where his wife, who made it very clear she didn't um, get married to be a pastor's wife, would sit in the back of the church on Sunday night during Sunday night services with her little tiny two-by-two television screen watching the football games with an ear thing in her ear. Because she really wasn't interested in being a leader for Christ. She just sat back there and watched the football game. And every once in a while, if her team was playing, you'd hear, as she went to celebrate for a second. Be careful who you choose. And so often, this is why this is important. We say, don't be unequally yoked. Why? Because I am a leader that represents Christ. If I choose the wrong person in my life, it's going to be almost impossible for me to do that. Be careful. Notice it also talks about his daughter. And again, please don't, wait a minute, there's no son mentioned there. Remember what we're talking about in this picture. Your children, you need to rear them properly. You need to grow them up to serve the Lord. Because they also can make it very difficult for you to be a leader. I have heard dozens of times, moms and dads come to me, look me in the eye and say, my kids are living like this. How can I possibly stand up and try to be an example for God because of how they're living their life? Listen, you make, once they hit adulthood, they make their own choices. You've got to do what you've got to do. But the issue in their heart is how can I be an example? How can I represent God? How can I be a leader if my family, and guys, we can talk about this. We can go to qualifications of deacons and pastors in Titus and Timothy where he says, rule of his house well, you better raise your children up because they will make it difficult for you to be a leader. Now, here's the key. What are you? Say it again. I'm a leader. One more time. I'm a leader. Okay. You represent God and his word in this world. You are a leader. You have no choice. But I don't want to be a leader. Tough. If you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you are a leader. We shine as lights in a dark place. You ever see that we were, my wife and I, one little story and we're done. My wife and I went to a cave. Okay, when we were on the trip to see Gideon, we came back and it was the Crystal Caves in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. Okay. And we went in there, and the lady, one part of the tour is, they want to give you this little shock and awe thing by, she has a switch. Once you're in the midst of the full cave, you're all underground and everything. They turn the lights off. Okay. And you are in complete darkness. Okay. And it's not just like two seconds and they turn it back on. I mean, they leave the lights off for like two minutes straight. Okay. You're just standing, and it is complete darkness i mean absolute and she turned the lights off and 
We were watching, and you'll, your eyes adjust, you know, like at night when you're sleeping. And your eyes adjust, and you think, you're, I'm seeing a little bit better. All of a sudden, I see this light, and it's down by this lady's shoe. I'm like, that's the weirdest thing. And the other, the girl's mom, I mean, the daughter says, you see that? I'm like, yeah, I see that. And she turned the lights on. She said, see, it was absolutely uh, dark with no light. And I said, uh, the daughter said at first, she said, I saw the light. And she said, I saw a light. And I said, I saw the light too. And the the lady's looking at us like that's impossible. Nobody ever sees a light in here. There's no light in here. And so we're we're trying to figure it out. Like, turn the light off again. So she turns the light off again. Well, the woman had left her screen on in her pocket. She put her phone in the pocket, and the light was shining through the bottom of the cloth of her pocket, down her pant leg, and on the side of her shoe. So honest to goodness, this little dim light through the pant leg, down the side of the leg of the pant, onto her shoe, we could see this little light. And it was just an amazing thought to me that when you are in such darkness, even the dimmest, absolute, most filtered, vague, weird light in the world still shines. And we all laughed about it because it was amazing to think that, you know, screens aren't that bright in the first place. It's not like you're walking around going, hey, look at me, you know, stop cars. It was a dim light. It wasn't her flashlight. It was just the screen light. And it was filtered through the bottom of her cloth pocket, down her whole pant leg. And it was so dark, we saw the light shining just that little bit. Because that's how dark it was. Guys, this world is getting darker and darker. And if you don't realize, as a leader, you will shine. And maybe you're thinking, well, I haven't been much of a leader. My light's been really dim. If it's dark enough, even a dim light makes an impression. I have a recommendation, though. Be a bright light. Realize that every single day of your life, you are a leader, you are a representative. You can't take the time off. You can't. Well, I just want to go down to the bar and have a few drinks and just take the night off as a Christian. There's no option. What would you say if God says, well, if you take the night off as a Christian, I'd take the guarantees of heaven off you for that time too. Once you are a believer, you are a believer. There's no, you can't undo what is done. And we talked about eternal security in Sunday school this morning. When God makes a promise, he doesn't make a promise. You are a leader. So that means when you walk around this week, next week, the week after, no matter what you are doing, where you are, what you're saying, how you are feeling, I am a leader. You're a chief person. You're a priest. Remember the privilege that you and I have to represent the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for your word and what it teaches us. And Father, you, again, you've done an amazing thing. You say you sanctified us. You have set us apart. Lord, we have the opportunity to sanctify our own selves. To not profane that name. To realize that we represent you everywhere we go. We are a leader. And Father, maybe some of us have never really thought about that. We've never really prepared. We've never even made a conscious effort to step up as a leader. But whether we've done it or not, we are. 
Father, the Word of God tells that we are witnesses. Even when we aren't opening our mouths and sharing the gospel, we are a witness. Well, just the same as we are leaders, whether we like it or not. And Father, I just thank you. Help us to realize that our job, why we are left here, is to take the bread, to minister the bread, to take Jesus Christ, the bread of life, and through his word, share it with those who need it. Father, just please help us. Lord, what a privilege it is to understand we can represent you in this world. We are leaders. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.